The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Over the past 40 years, my next guest has worked with some of the biggest names in music, managing the likes of Van Morrison, the Waterboys and Jerry Rafferty, to name just some. All of it has been put down on paper in his new book, which is called Adventures in Wonderland. And I'm joined now by that author, Paul Charles. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Pat. Um, It's great to have you to talk about a life in music. Uh, And before your professional life in music, there was still music. What were you listening to growing up? Uh, Growing up, I was listening, well, actually, at the the very beginning, uh, when I was an early teenager, music really didn't matter to me in terms of it was, if it was good, I liked it, but like wallpaper. If it was good, I liked it, but if I didn't like it, I could ignore it, you know. Uh, And then one morning, I walked into my mum's kitchen and she had the radio on as usual. She's a big fan of Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, but her favourite was Emil Ford and and, and the Jack Mitts. And she'd always have the radio on listen for these people to come on. And this day I walked and the, the radio was on. There was this amazing sound that literally, physically, spiritually, mentally stopped me in my tracks. And it was the sound of the Beatles. And, and, and that, can you remember what track it was? It was Love Me Do. Love, Love Me Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Please Please Me. Yeah. And it was kind of just, I, it's just, it was like, even now you kind of go, you know, okay, because the norm then, as you know, was totally different. And they were coming along and, and Brian Epstein was trying to fit them into the last music business, but knowing that to, to succeed, he had to move them on from it. And it was just everything about them, the fact that they were, you know, they were always well turned out, they were always well dressed. They were very funny. They were never cheeky. They were never rude. They were never arrogant. Uh, and they were clever enough to start to work with George Martin, who knew exactly yeah. how to bring this magic that they had out of them. Do you still have the vinyl Please Please Me that you bought then? Uh, not that I bought that. I had a, I had a fire yeah. in my house in London um, many years later. Uh, and I and vinyl goes up in flames. Yeah, and all my books. But the worst thing I found, again, like yourself, I, I so many records, that you would forget some of them and you'd be in your house some night and you think, oh, I'll go and put on um, Astral Weeks or I'll go and put on you know, whatever, and you kind of go, oh, God, no, I don't have it, you know, and then you yeah. go out on Saturday and, and rebuy it again, and you're going to build up your collection again. Just records, until you want to play them, you didn't realise you had. Now, obviously, you built a life in music with various artists that you were a fan of, uh, yes. I suppose, initially. But uh, when you write about the Beatles in the book, uh, you talk about Sgt. Pepper as the culmination of pretty much everything they had done thus far. But you also compare it to maybe the first time there was a performance of the 1812 Overture by Beethoven. Yes. Yeah. Explain the circumstances when... Sergeant Pepper was first yeah. played. Well, when it came out first, I mean, again, all the Beatles fans were, were like major fans above and beyond anything I think that ever had existed before in terms of fandom. Uh, and, and you know, the, the Beatles had become so successful that it got to be at the concerts, you couldn't hear them because everybody was screaming. So they come up with this concept was, look, we can't go out and tour anymore, but let's send out our music as, as, as a band concert with Sergeant Peppers. So they created this thing on this, on this particular night in question. Uh, I was up in, in Cookstown in Northern Ireland and we were at a, at a party and there was lots of colour streamers and balloons and whatever. It was great, a great vibe going on, very, a great innocent vibe going on. And then somebody had the bright idea to wire, wire, wire up a record player into the PA system and they put on Sergeant Peppers and bit by bit by bit, everybody at the party stopped talking and they became engrossed in a sound. 
uh, and and it just they kept the more it played, the more it pulled everybody in, and then in the end, everybody didn't know what to do, and everybody clapped. You know, it yeah. was like that, there was that spirit. It was like, oh my good, you know, it's like you you really were taken out of yourself, and I assumed that would be the same as yeah. any of the the, the premier things of thing. And again, the funny thing is, I've I've listened to. Sergeant Peppers, so many times, thousands of times in my life, but it's never ever sounded to me as special as it did that yeah. night. I have a similar experience. I was living in America when right. Abbey Road came out, and I heard it in a guy's basement, and I was blown away. And I've loved that al- album so much ever yeah, since. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean it's kind of it's, it's I don't know, but it's something beyond being an album. Do you know what I mean? When this kind of music is so pure, it's not an album in terms of a commercial piece of product, you know. Now, when did you isolate the fact that you wanted to work in music? And I mean, over the years, you've worked with people, I mentioned your idols. I mean, Astral Weeks being one of your all-time favourite albums and Van Morrison. Yep, yeah. I I kind of, at the beginning how it started was that I was hanging out with a bunch of mates. They started to form a group. Uh, The group was called The Blues by Five. I couldn't sing. Certainly couldn't sing. I couldn't play an instrument. My dad didn't have a car to ferry the equipment to, to the gigs. So they were the three basic requirements to join a group. However, I knew a saxophone player called Dixie Kerr who played with the Breakaway Show Band. So I went and I knocked on his door and said, Dixie, is there any chance you could give the, the, the Blues by Five a few gigs supporting you? He said, yeah, of course we could. Here's, and he gave me a couple of dates. I went to the band and said, oh, look, by the way, the breakaways will have you for support and these shows. And they said, brilliant, great, you're the manager, you know. So you're manager, agent, promoter, you're all of those things. Exactly, yes, yeah, yeah. and I'm happy to be. Yeah. You know. now, 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 you did have a band and uh, Frupp, yes, the, that's the right. band, um, you, <laughs> you had to bail them out, I believe, one night. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we, we went, um, as, as they were doing in those days, as traffic pioneered this thing, you would go to the country to get it together. So we had this farm down on Thurlis, not realising... At the time, how close it was to a certain establishment. Temple Moor. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and anyway, they were there. I, I'd, they'd done a couple of gigs and then I'd gone back to London uh, on the Sunday to get back into the office on the Monday and do the work, whatever. And during the Saturday night, Sunday morning, they were busted. And, and the guards really laughing at them, you know, saying, look, less than a quarter of a thimbleful of dope, you know. Uh, but they were still were busted, you know, yeah. and so they were taken to to the jail. Uh, and I had to go into my bank in the Monday morning, raid it, and fly back again to, to bail them out. To but bail however, for the, 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 every every cloud is a silver lining. Their their box office increased by at least a hundred percent from then onwards. <laughs> and all of the people that you you've mentioned in your book, I mean, the book Adventures in Wonderland, and the music business is a wonderland, but not without its casualties. I mean, uh, you mentioned John Wesley Harding, Ed Dylan's album uh, in passing, uh, and he we all thought had lost his voice, but yeah. he, that album, he he sounded different. Yeah, yeah, but it was wonderful. Yeah, no, I, I think it was. Uh, Beautiful record, and again, but I'm I'm not sure whether because you know, all these rumor mills that come out on people like Dylan and the Beatles and Paul is dead and all of that. I'm not sure what much of it and much of it was just Dylan reinventing himself, you know. But the voice changed. I mean, oh, no, he it sounded yeah. more nasal. Yeah, he had uh, been in a motorbike accident, yeah. and and that's what happened to him. And one wondered would he ever perform again? Yeah. But he and, did. And then, but and then Nashville Skyline was a different voice altogether again, you know. Yeah. And now he's in his most perfect voice. It's kind of he's. 
he's like a semi-crooner now and just out and so beautiful for mm. him. You know? And you're bang up to date with Dylan. You refer to Murder Most Foul, which yeah. was, yeah. what is it, 24, 25 minutes. It's absolutely brilliant. It's stunning, isn't it? I mean, it really, really is. I mean, it's, it kinda, it's one of those records, I don't know, but when you're listening to it for the first time, you're kind of, you're, you're in a way trying to back paddle so that you can just listen to it mm. and not comment to yourself how great it is. You know, and then yeah. I find by the second or third time I play it, I forget all of that stuff and I just get totally lost yeah. to what it is. And it's stunning. I mean... There's look, an object lesson for some rappers in, well, yeah, in yeah. that. I mean, and also just as a piece of writing, as a, just a, a, like, you know, Shakespeare wouldn't have a look in. It's just, yeah. it's such the perfect piece of, you know, the way he kind of conjures all of this imagery and it kind of, it gets the story across, you know. And there's one point in it um, where he says... Uh, the Beatles are coming, they're going to hold your hand. I've never heard them sound as tender in my life. Yeah. It's said with such love and such passion. It's just, it's, it's so moving. Um, the casualties in the, in the music business over the years, there have been uh, many, of course. Um, Jerry Rafferty came yes. across one of his albums. I think it was Station to Station the other oh, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what a talent. Yes. And um, gone too soon. Beautiful songwriter. Yeah, again, a beautiful, beautiful voice, you know. Um, and, and, and a wonderful man to work with. But he was one of those people, yeah, he kind of, he really, it didn't matter if there was a music business, it didn't matter if there was record companies, it didn't matter if there were publishers, he had to write songs. He had to make music. That was his, what his being was all about. He wasn't really interested in how many he sold, how much he made from it or didn't make from it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't really interested in, no number of tickets. It was just about they would him and Hugh Murphy, his producer. They would make albums, and he's got in the vaults somebody somewhere has several Jerry Rafferty albums that never come out. He just loved the buzz of making music. Yeah, um, the people that you've worked with over the years. I mean, Van, who I presume became a very good friend as well as everything else, has the reputation of being difficult sometimes. Yeah, um, I suspect Tom Waits. Yeah. Difficult sometimes. Difficult never. Never. No, I, I, just on Van, I always found Van to be a very, very professional person. He had an amazing sense of humour. He was very together. Uh, and, and probably one of the best managers I've ever worked with. He managed his own career. Uh, and he was just totally, totally, you know, if you knew what you were doing, if you did what you were meant to be doing, then that was totally fine. And then on top of all of that, He's the genius that he is, you know. But I, I've, I'd never have any, any, any reason that I would say anything other than you know how, how, how great the magic time was that that, that I work with Van. You yeah. know. And Tom Waits again, a family man. Uh, you know, probably one of the few people that I know who actually lives in his songs. And and, and when you see him on stage, it's the same thing. His, his shows are so magic because they're not a performance of songs. Now, you make reference to some of the local heroes like you uh, 2 uh, and there's one reference to Glastonbury where you say they didn't quite command the stage. Uh, Bruce Springsteen would command the back of the, the yeah. farthest most field yeah, yeah. and they, you 2 didn't. Yeah, I, but I they've learned since. Also, I think, they were, I think they were nervous because it was Glastonbury. That's the only thing I can put it down to because you 2 are a great live band and, and on their own tours, they're playing to much bigger audiences and, and, and it always works. I think that the two things I found were that they were in awe of the thing and maybe, maybe they were just too far apart on the stage. So they didn't play to and with each other and they didn't get the band vibe going. And the other thing I noticed was that they really concentrated and focused on their 10,000 committed fans in front of the stage. And as you say, Bruce 
and McCartney and Coldplay played to the very, very back of the field and, and absolutely everybody yeah. got it. Well, I've, I've seen them since and I think they've learned that, oh, no, good. that, <laughs> that, that lesson. <laughs> now, you've come through all the different genres uh, over the years. and I, Did your love of music uh, and chart music survive the punk era, for example? Oh, totally. I mean, I, again, I, I, I was very lucky. I, I was agent for this act uh, called the George Hatcher Band with United Artists. I, I, I always loved, I, I always enjoyed being an agent and I always loved filling date sheets and I'd fill this date sheet and I, anyway... The record label rang me up and said, look, can you come around for a meeting? And, and, and I thought it was about George Hatcher. And I was, I was walking around and I was thinking, mm, it's a wee bit early for George to be releasing the second album, he's done enough work. But anyway, I get around and he say, look, it's not about George. We're really happy with George, the number of gigs he's got in. But we have this other band and we can't get them arrested. Would you yeah. be interested in taking them on? And he played me a couple of tracks and it was the Buzzcocks. And I mm. just heard great songwriter. Pete Shelley is just an amazing songwriter, you know. And they were a bit of a powerhouse band live, you know, like it was a kind of, it was a punk version of Phil Spector, but a big, big, big sound. Not kind of loud that it hurt your ears, but but a big, full sound. So I kind of took them on very early and we were lucky enough that we had most of the punk acts signed before the rest of the London ages realised there was a punk thing happening, you know. Uh, and, and again, with, 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 you know, with the undertones, another great band, to me, they were just incredible song. I mean, I still think to this day, John O'Neill is one of the best lyricists Ireland has ever had. You know, just great, great, great songs. Mm. Uh, in terms of the Buzzcocks, I, whatever happened to them, they survive in the name of a television programme. Yes, indeed. <laughs> for, a, for a good few years. Then they kind of, then they reformed, um, uh, they reformed a few years later and, you know, started to do that circuit a bit and then, sadly, uh, uh, Peter Shelley, he passed away about uh, probably about a couple of years ago. Um, so, but but their their yeah. their legend seems to be growing now. In fact, mm. yeah. now there's so many artists and so many different uh, genres of uh, popular music. I mean, is uh, besides those uh, albums that you mentioned, your albums of all time, are there particular talents that you still are in awe of, maybe living or dead? Uh, yeah, I'd still I'd still say that I get as much, if not more. Pleasure to listen to Van Morrison, to Astral Riggs, for instance. I mean, that's, that record still delivers to me each and every time I listen to it. The Beatles, obviously, Traveling Wilburys, Dylan, uh, Ray Davis, Waterboys, incredible live band and, and incredible records, Hot House Flowers, most certainly. Um, and then the Carpenters, I love listening to the Carpenters. Oh, Karen records. Carpenter, the voice oh, of an angel. Yeah, she, yeah. Totally, totally. You know, I remember seeing them live in the Palladium in London, a great venue to see X. And, and just, she would just break your heart. It's just, she sang so brilliantly with so much soul, you know. And then she also was a powerhouse drummer, you know. In the meantime, your other career continues apace. You are a novelist, um, writing the uh, Inspector Christie Kennedy yes, novels. Yep, are they it. still ongoing? More oh, yes, to come? No, yeah, I'm, I'm working on. I'm working on one now, um, the Return of the James Gang, um, and uh, I've, I've a bit more to work because I put that to one side once I, I, I got started into uh, Adventures in Wonderland, finally putting it down. So, but no, that's that will be the, my next up on, on the uh, desk. Well, the current book, which is a memoir and a brilliantly written memoir, is Thank called you. Adventures in Wonderland, and it's written by Paul Charles. It will be available in all good bookshops yeah. uh, almost uh, immediately, imminently, yeah. uh, I 19th, think. Yeah. And you are going to be doing various festivals, I believe, over yes. the next while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, doing the uh, International Literary Festival of Dublin on the 25th of May. 
and uh, Dorky on uh, June the, you've got the date there, I At think. the 18th, in the conversation 18th. with John Connolly, his good mate yes, of yours. Yes, indeed, a good mate, yes. Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, music and crime in common. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Charles, thank you very much yeah, for joining us in the studio much. today. Thank you, I enjoyed that, thank you. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.